0: All right. I guess we're live. Is this thing working? Hello? Anybody there? Tap, 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 tap. You know what? When Brian approached me about doing this, uh, I thought it was just going to be like an audio thing. We record it, Brian, and kind of give it to people when we wanted to, but then all of a sudden you being the big brain guy hit me up with this app and all of a sudden I can see you and you can see me. I haven't showered. I haven't changed. I woke up about five minutes ago So if anybody's ever wondered what a radio guy looks like without his makeup on, this is it right here, baby. This is the real me. And that's the real Hawk blogger. How are you, man? What's going on?
1: I'm good. I'm good. And, man, you look
0: fantastic. (laughs) I don't feel fantastic. I can tell you that right now. I'm fired up for Sunday, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, you know what's one of the craziest things, Softie, is with all the news that's been going on with the Seahawks, it's almost like guys like DK Metcalf and Puna Ford and Will Disley and all these other guys are forgotten and all of those could be huge parts of the game.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, gigantic parts of the game. I, I just can't wait to get out there on Sunday and actually watch a real football game because you know how much I detest the preseason, right? Like I did not even go to one preseason game. I, I went into the clink for the Raider game. Like I walked in before kickoff after my show ended at Jimmy's and I left before kickoff. The only reason why I went there was to go see my friends over at taco time. My buddy Robbie Tonkin has opened up a taco time stand outside section 116. So quick plug for them. But then I left. I just had no desire to be in there for that freaking Fakakta thing, uh, you know, last uh, last week. So I cannot wait for a real football game on Sunday. Can't wait to feel the crowd energy, the noise, see people I haven't seen for a year and then let's face it, man. I mean, this is one of the most anticipated debuts, I think, in in Seattle sports history. I mean, you think about big free agents and big trades. I mean, heck, even the day that Percy Harvin made his debut, which I think was against Minnesota, if I remember correctly, when he had that great return that he had, that he, uh, he took to the 50. I remember sitting in the press box, and I was just drooling watching this guy play for the first time. So I wonder kind of what we'll see from Jadeveon Clowney on, on Sunday and DK Metcalf. I, I, I think I'm more jacked up to watch Clowney play right now than I Metcalf, to be honest with you. But I think when it comes to debuts, Brian, this has got to be up there, man.
1: I, I agree. And it's funny you bring up Percy Harvin mm-hmm. because the Seahawks have made, I mean, Schneider's made trades every year, right? I mean, he, yep. he really has every year. And, and those big ones, Percy Harvin trade, I was not, I was supportive of that from the very moment it was announced. The Jimmy Graham trade, I came out against that yeah. the moment it was announced. Like, I, I didn't like any of those deals. I thought they were chasing chasing the dragon. Like, I just didn't see it. I thought they gave up way too much for a really questionable direction. This clowny trade, holy crap, Dave. I yeah. mean, this is this is the no-brainer of all no-brainers. This guy, I mean, he. some people think it's crazy, but I think he's gonna seriously be better for this team than he was for Houston. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's completely nuts. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's completely nuts that he could be in the NFL defensive player of the year conversation. He could just blow up in Seattle. Yeah.
0: Well, first of all, Mike Robinson agrees with you. He was on yesterday with Cliff and Puck and, and said those exact words that really uh, that yeah, the Clowney could be an NFL defensive player of the year candidate. Mike Holmgren, I asked him yesterday if he thought that the Seahawks would be getting a better version of Clowney. Uh, because they play in a 4-3 versus the 3-4. He said yes. I mean, frankly, look, I'm, I'm just a guy sitting here, as are you. We're both sports you know, sports fans talking football, or be it for me to criticize what the Texans have done with Clowney. But I, I just don't get it. I mean, this guy was a freak of nature as an edge rusher at South Carolina, even playing on the inside of the defensive line at times what are you doing dropping this guy back into pass coverage? It just doesn't make any sense to me, right? I mean, yeah, the wingspan's great and all that, but it's like putting Randy Johnson in center field. It just doesn't <laughs> make any sense to me. So I'm excited, and maybe I am drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit about just, hey, the guy's ours, so all of a sudden now, a guy that maybe a month ago we thought was kind of a disappointment since being the first pick in the draft, now all of a sudden, well, he's in the right spot, so he's going to become a star. And that's just the way we are as sports fans. But I honestly think that there is logic Behind that, because having him in a 4-3 where he's not worried about dropping back in pass coverage, he can put his hand on the ground, he can stand up, uh, you know, next to a nose tackle, uh, get right up the A-gap if he wants to, it just feels perfect. I mean, the logic behind everybody like you saying that you're getting a better version of Clowney, it certainly makes sense, man. So I, I can't wait to see what this guy can do. And They've never had a guy like him, ever, that looks like him, and has that potential, right? I mean, Michael Sinclair was great. Grant Wistrom was great. Um, you had uh, John Randall on the inside was great as a pass rusher. Jaron Reed is a pass rusher. But they've never had a defensive end that looks like to Jevion Clowney with the expectations that he's bringing. So I am so freaking jacked up for Sunday to watch this guy oh, play.
1: And one of the – I mean, you're obviously everyone's going to feel that way, not only because of all the things you just said, yeah. Everyone's supportive of the trade. No one feels like, you know, that was a bad deal. So everyone's excited. He plays defense. And, and in all likelihood, you know, the defense is going to be on the field first. I mean, you get to cheer your brains out. Like when you get Percy Harvin and he's on offense or Jimmy Graham, you can't like be on your feet freaking out and
0: yeah, does exactly. something.
1: But Javion Clowney, as soon as the defense step on the field, I feel like all this pent-up energy is just going to just rain down on that field. I think it's going to be an amazing Sunday.
0: Well, and then, I mean, let's face it, to think about the noise the crowd makes and the confusion that it provides for offenses. And then to think about Andy Dalton having to face that and to face Jevion Clowney. You know, it's funny. Dick and I were talking on the air yesterday, man, about this front seven. I think they're actually better now than they were before they traded Frank Clark. Whatever you thought the front seven was going to look like with Frank Clark and Jaron Reed. The fact that they've got Ansa, they've got Clowney, Kendricks doesn't look like he's going to prison. We'll find out in a couple weeks from now, but I think he's going to be okay. I think they're actually better off after the Frank Clark trade. They got a better front seven now than they would have had if they had kept Frank Clark and they net the second round draft pick and they get LJ Collier. I mean, this is insane. This is exactly what you were talking about on Twitter about this cockamamie uh, executive of the year award. This, this might be the best offseason John Schneider's ever had in his career in Seattle. So if they go out and they win and they're a playoff team, to me right now, John Schneider is the absolute leader in the clubhouse for the executive of the year. But he won't win it because he was never 2-14. and 14. He was never 3-13. and 13. You want to win the executive of the year, you got to have a really bad football team and then turn him around into a contender. They were never that bad. So it doesn't jump off the page. But the fact that John Schneider after 10 years has still not won executive of the year. The fact that Pete Carroll is not one coach of the year is a friggin' joke.
1: It is absolutely a joke. And, and, you know, it's that old line, you know, I wouldn't want to be a, a member of any club that would have me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that Schneider wants to be in that group. I mean, uh what is it, Ryan Pace or whoever what the, the, the guy for the Bears? I the mean, Bears, right? The Bears were a total joke last night. And and oh. they're stuck with oh. Mr. Bitsky throwing two-yard, you know, hitch routes, you know, yeah. over and over again. Like I agree with you. Uh, the articles I've been wanting to write this week is I wanted to go back to each of his offseasons in 2013 offseason, 2012, the draft. I mean, he's had some amazing drafts where he brought in, like, really top-end talent, as you, as you yeah. know. But yeah. if you look at free agency, contract extensions, um, draft picks, uh, you know, all the trades, all the decisions that he made collectively, mm-hmm. I don't know how you can beat extending your franchise quarterback, extending your franchise, you know, quarterback on defense. Uh, yeah. trading for Clowney, who might have you know, the first first overall pick ever in a Seahawks uniform, first number mm-hmm. one overall pick ever to wear a Seahawks crazy. uniform, and you know, sign on. So, so, I mean, you know, back to the Clowney thing just for a second. I mean, if you hadn't made that trade, Quentin Jefferson would be starting for you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, think about the difference, even if Clowney is just what he was in, in, in Houston, the difference between Clowney and, and Quentin Jefferson no offense to oh. Quentin Jefferson, but oh. I mean, it's just. It's a huge upgrade
0: well it's not even worth having the conversation i mean that's obviously not even i mean there's nobody no logical rational person would ever disagree with anything you just said especially quentin jefferson versus Jadeveon Clowney, and yes i am now walking around my house because the groomer is here and they're almost done with winnie so and any second now you guys are going to get to meet winnie after she gets out of her bath and gets clipped but i think in the end brian that for me you have to wait and see how the season goes. Obviously, if this thing falls apart, knock on wood. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. Injuries, whatever. But to go out, I've never seen a general manager. Um, I mean, again, maybe if, if I thought about this for you know a little bit longer and did some research on it, I think about a guy who had an obvious glaring need, like the Seahawks did at the pass rush position, and went out and fixed it the way they did. And that's what. It did. It's not just the pass rush; it's the running game too. The running game two years ago was terrible. We kept referencing what Minnesota did with their, <clears throat> with their offensive line. Vikings went from the bottom to near the top in rushing yards the last couple of years. It can be done. Seahawks went from the outhouse to the penthouse when it comes to rushing yards. They showed it can be done. But for this regime to address, maybe in the last couple of years, the two biggest glaring weaknesses, which was the rushing offense and the pass rush, to do what they've done with both of those situations and as fast as they've done it, is ridiculous. I don't know if there's ever been a general manager in Seattle history, whether Sonic, Seahawks, Mariners, whatever, who has gone out, identified a, a major weakness the way that they did with the running game and the pass rush and fixed it as fast as they did and not just fixed it, brought it to the top of their profession. Number one rushing offense in the NFL and now with Ansa and Clowney and Kendricks and Jaron Reed in week seven when he serves the suspension. This could be one of the better pass rushes now in the nfl so you go from the bottom and rushing the bottom and pass rush or kind of you know mediocre in pass rush and now we feel like they could be among the best in the league in both those categories god damn we are lucky to have john schneider as the general manager of this football no,
1: team no kidding this is the golden era it still well, is even if you know and and and, and i'm going to add one more to what you just said so they were they took him from the the outhouse to the penthouse in the rushing game on offense last year Mm -hmm. but they were one of the worst literally one of the worst two or three rush defenses in the NFL last year they were horrible defending the run and now you've got Puna Ford you've got Clowney Mm -hmm. you've got Al Woods who most people don't know but is a damn good interior tackle especially defending the run you've got that linebacker crew I think this could be one of the top run defenses in the NFL this right. year. And man, if if you can if you can run the ball, you can stop yep. the run, and you can set yep. up the pass rush, and you have guys to get to the quarterback. That's it's fun funny. football. I mean, God, like that's
0: that's what you go that's what you go to the field to to enjoy. Thank you. Totally, totally. By the way, say hi to the grammar. Hello. 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 There she is, and there's Winnie. Bye, does take she, care. God, There's Winnie eating cat food like she's not supposed to. Winnie, she get over want- here. I'm going to sick Clowny on you. Get out of here. Come on. What's the matter with you? Good grief. No, I mean, you're, I mean, you're totally right. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm like giddy right now, man, thinking about what this team could do. Maybe I'm just living in the moment and I'm just, you know, being the, uh, the hyperactive fan right here. But I really believe that this team, when they acquired Jadeveon Clowney, became a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I do. Because I think the offense is going to be just fine. I mean, God. People forget they were tied for sixth in scoring a year ago. There's no reason why they should not be another top 10 scoring offense in 2019. And if we truly believe that their defense has improved the way we think they have, and they do have one of the better front sevens in the NFL, why should we be sitting here talking about competing for another Lombardi trophy? I think there's tremendous parity in the NFL right now, beyond belief parity in the NFL. There's no obvious choice, I think. Uh, for a runaway uh, champion in the NFL. Maybe people think Kansas City on paper would be that team right now. You never count out the Patriots, obviously. But I just think in the end, that move and what this front seven looks like now has vaulted them into championship contending status. Absolutely.
1: I don't think that really can be in question. I think there's a trap that you can fall into as a Seahawks fan of, this is not the 2013 squad. No team. Right, is the, sure. the, two, the 2013 squad never. was the most talented team of the entire decade. Maybe yeah. even longer. I mean, that was an, yeah. a, a once in a probably generation team. But if you look at the teams they're having to compete with, there isn't a San Francisco 49ers no. out there like there was yeah. back then either. And and so I think that this team, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm curious. Before I say, you know, my I, this group knows my win prediction, but you know, mm-hmm. where 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 are you? If you look at their schedule, you know, yeah. what the, what's the range of wins that you think is reasonable? Um, for, yeah. For the group as it.
0: I think, I think between 10 and 13 wins to me right now. I mean, anywhere from 10 to 13. I think it's a double-digit win team on paper right now. And I think, again, I mean, you, you know, the good news is the teams that you're competing with for that number one seed, potentially teams like, uh, teams like the Saints, uh, teams like Minnesota, for example, you get those games at home and you get Minnesota on Monday night in Seattle. So they got a chance to really do some damage against contenders for that number one seed. Uh, I think that should be the absolute goal. I mean, if I'm sitting here telling you, I think the Hawks are a Super Bowl contender, but I think they could be a 12 or 13 win football team if everything goes right and knock on wood, the injury uh, situation isn't too catastrophic. And I mean, you're, you're totally right about that 2013 team. And the biggest difference to me, obviously the collection of talent on that team was insane. You'll never see the Hall of Fame collection of talent on that team ever again in Seattle, I think as long as we live by. But the difference also... And maybe if there's one little teensy-weensy concern about this defense, it's the depth on the defensive line. Because the depth on the defensive line in 2013 was ridiculous. Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett weren't even freaking starters, for God's sakes, on that football team. Chris Clemens, Red Bryant, Clinton McDonald, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett. I mean, dude, Brian, that, that depth that you saw on that defensive line in 2013 I'm pretty certain you'll never see it again ever as long as you live in Seattle. So there is a little bit of a concern about that, but I also do think that what John and Pete and the coaching staff have figured out about how to manage snap counts has been really underrated. And even going back to last year when, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Carson, they, they found the magic button for Chris Carson's snap count and what he's able to carry and what he's able to pull off. And because they did that, he was a freaking beast in December for these guys, down the stretch and help put them into the playoffs so I think that's going to be kind of something to watch is how do they manage the snap counts for guys like Ansa and Clowney even for Jaron Reed when he comes back and Puna Ford but I believe the staff can do it so I think anywhere from 10 to 13 wins is probably fair well I, I
1: that's yeah I've been around 10 to 12 I think 13 yeah. is possible too and uh you know I've Anything's gone through for my my, my prediction <laughs> Thanks. Green, big, big boy. <laughs> you know, if they're going to be around 12 wins or more, you're talking about contending for home field advantage. And if this team absolutely. gets home field advantage, even if they get a two seed, the number one seed can get knocked out. If they're playing in the NFC Championship at home, they're going to the yeah. Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's absolutely realistic for that to have, be having that conversation. I don't think you can say they're favorites, but I think it's it's realistic right. to say they're in the conversation. And Look, I think the big question mark for this team, to me, you you mentioned some good ones on depth, but is the secondary? I think the secondary yeah. is average at best. Yeah. Um, we're going to see what happens at nickel corner. I think this weekend is going to be interesting. You got Tyler Eifert, you got um, Boyd uh, Dalton. Isn't the worst quarterback? He's not the best. You know, you got the big ginger coming in. So, mm-hmm. like, let's let's see how the secondary holds up. But if Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin can actually take a step forward, right. Then, yeah, I mean, this 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 team looks really, really ready to go.
0: By the way, speaking of flowers, real or fake?
1: I would say real.
0: Nah, wrong. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Good job by the wife, though. Huh? She nice job, like Gina. No, I totally agree with you, man, about the secondary. Um, but I think, I mean, look, right now I'm in a pretty positive mood, to be honest with you. It's Friday. It's going to be a great day. I'm going to go play some golf in a little bit here, hit some balls our second favorite sport. Uh, The dogs are playing a big game tomorrow. The Hawks are going Sunday. So right now I'm kind of in a jolly mood and buying everything that everybody's selling about the Seahawks. Secondary has to get better. And I'll tell you what, man, I love the position they're in because guys like Shaquille Griffin, who's on a four-year deal, obviously, going into year three, he knows if he plays well this year, he could get that extension over the off season. The Seahawks always like to extend guys with a year left on their deal. It's not very often that guys go actually to free agency and then come back to Seattle. So they might sign him in the middle of the year. They might send him towards the end of the year. They can sign him over the offseason. But if Shaquille Griffin wants to have a future in Seattle, I think it's a pretty damn big year for him, man, in 2019. So he's got that carrot out there. And then, look, I mean, Trey Flowers and Tedrick Thompson, I mean, you're seeing the raw ability that these guys have. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And and what better coach to coach these guys than Pete Carroll? Look, I don't care – who they say on paper is the defensive backs coach in Seattle. I don't care who they say on paper is the defensive coordinator in Seattle. The defensive backs coach and the defensive coordinator, as long as Pete Carroll's here, is going to be Pete Carroll. And there's nobody in the NFL, I think, right now that teaches technique and teaches their system better than Pete Carroll. So I think he actually can take chicken crap and turn it into chicken salad. Not that chat Griffin is chicken crap. Not that Trey Flowers is chicken crap. But these two guys had passer ratings over 100 last year. That's not good enough. That's got to stop. So I love the fact that Pete Carroll's coaching these guys. And if they can't play, they'll get rid of them. We all know that. Nickel corner, to me, is going to be fun to watch on Sunday as well. Uh, Is it going to be Akeem King down the road? Is it going to be Ugo Amadi? I did find it a little interesting at the press conference, Brian, uh, two days ago, that Pete was so standoffish about that. He wouldn't even tell us who the starting nickel is. You know why? Because I honestly don't think he knows right now who the starting nickel is going to be in that game on Sunday.
1: Well, we had Joe Fan on um, our show on Wednesday with two ends. And he thinks they're going to start Nickerson, the guy they just traded for. Mm -hmm. And they did that with Coleman. Coleman started right away um, after being traded for. And um, I'd be all for it because honestly, I don't think Akeem King's the guy at nickel. I mean, I think he can play there occasionally, but that's not the guy. And I'd like to see Amadi, but they don't seem like they're ready to start him yet. So, yeah. um, you know, I am very interested to see what they do there. But hey, let's let's let you get off to uh, to uh, hit some balls. Um, I actually, oh man, I uh, thankfully, and it was much better than when you played last weekend. It was <laughs> that was truly one of the worst rounds of golf. I, I was I was very lucky I did not break any of my clubs over my knee. Let me just
0: say this, that Hawk Blogger is a better Seahawk analyst than he is a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not a bad golfer. Which shows oh, my
1: God. Ends. I was pretty horrible that day. Okay. That well, I'll tell
0: you this, that these bad boys just showed up in the mail this morning, so I'm going to go through all.
1: Man, make them hurt. Make them hurt. Put them where they're supposed to be, though. All
0: right, brother. Go Hawks, and uh, let's do this again next Friday, okay?
1: All right. Sounds good, Dave. See you Take man. care. Bye.